Hi there, Harry from Witch here. Our research has found that millions of families are skipping meals to survive the cost of living crisis. And our figures show that over 8 in 10 people in the UK are having to make adjustments to save money on food. With the price of essential products soaring, we believe that supermarkets have to step up to the plate to help us all. That's why we've launched the Affordable Food for All campaign, calling on the big supermarkets to take action and make a real difference to communities across the UK. If you agree and would like to join our campaign, then sign our petition at witch.co.uk slash affordable dash food and use the hashtag affordable food for all on social media. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hits of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Rob Lilly, in for Lucia Ariano this week, and here's what's coming up. Fraud is now the most common crime against individuals in the UK. There are millions of instances of fraud every year. I went on a dating site called Older Dating Online. A third male came eventually and said her father had caught COVID, so she couldn't come at this time. Could I send some more money? At this stage, I got very suspicious indeed. It's more important than ever to safeguard against fraud and warn your friends and family to make sure everyone's aware of it to prevent that loss. This week on the podcast, we'll be hearing more about some of the strangest scams we've come across throughout 2022. We'll also be hearing more about the latest tactics used by fraudsters and how we can make sure we don't end up falling victim. Now, joining me this week are witch journalist Faye Lipson, and I'm pleased to say we're also joined by Steph Sinclair from the Fraud Prevention Department at TSB Bank. Hello, both. Hi. Hello. It is brilliant to have you both here. So thank you very much for joining. I know we've got so much to to get through today. Such an important issue to cover. Faye, if you can kick us off, because you're the one that's put together a collection of some of the strangest scams that we've kind of come across here at Witch. I know you've come across yourself over the last year. We'll get to some specific examples in a moment. But what is the scam landscape kind of looking like at the moment? Hi, Rob. Yeah, so um, it's been a big year in terms of people's personal finances, hasn't it? Um, we're living in a cost of living crisis that was preceded by uh, an energy bills crisis, which has only got worse over the course of the year. And people are understandably very concerned um, also about global events such as war in Europe. And what we've seen is a number of scams actually, you know, on, on different ends of the plausibility scale, um, which are are playing on those on those current concerns in people's minds. Um, so we've got many scams relating to uh, energy, energy usage, um, and scams relating to changing ways in which people are living their lives now, such as increasingly ordering things online. Uh, the scammers have adapted really well. Scams now are um, very well targeted to the latest concerns in people's minds and the latest ways in which they're living and managing their money. That's the thing, isn't it? There are so many scams that, as we said, we'll come on to in just a moment, that really kind of exploit real world events and people's emotions relating to those that mean that people are unfortunately more likely to to fall victim. Steph, does does this echo what you have been seeing at TSB as well? 
Yeah, absolutely. As, as Fear mentions, fraudsters are really good with adapting to the environment around them, um, as much as we all are. So we've seen it throughout COVID. We all had to adapt our personal circumstances, ordering things online rather than going into shops. Um, and I think cost of living is just the next thing um, on the horizon that ourselves and fraudsters are adapting to. Um, so we're seeing definitely plenty of you know, friends and family scams where it's really a more urban with a real cost of living angle to try and get people to part with money. Yeah, it's interesting we mentioned there how kind of scammers are adapting, how the fraudsters are adapting. Can we both now talk about kind of the tactics that scammers are using? Are they getting cleverer, the scammers themselves, or is it the technology, do we think, that is kind of giving them more ways to target us? Sure. Um, so what I would say is scammers have always been incredibly clever and I think perhaps the most brilliant example of that the one that really stands out in my mind is that in in 1925 a con artist actually managed to convince a, a scrap metal dealer that the Eiffel Tower was for sale um, and that he bought it um, so I, th- I think scammers are just a brilliant at manipulating whatever situations they find themselves in having said that fraud has reached uh, truly epidemic proportions and that and that is thanks to the internet age I'm afraid fraud is now the most common crime against individuals in the UK and um, it, there are millions of instances of fraud every year and, and and it's simply the case that technology industry policing etc have not actually yet got to grips with how to handle the sheer scale of attempts um, scam attempts that are enabled by all the different methods of communication that we have now. Um, it, it's simply out of control. In terms of technology, we're in a different place in technology um, over time. And, and I think, you know, we play out big parts of our lives on social media platforms. Um, and that's not going to go away. That's just, um, you know, as a society, how we've evolved and went through. And I think it's not unexpected that frauds just use a mixture of of technology platforms um, combined with probably just that leverage of good human nature in these scams like for your reference there about sort of selling the Eiffel Tower a, a big part of this is you know fraudsters are really good with how they communicate they communicate really well um, so it's no surprise they use now communication platforms like social media to do that um, but it's really about their persuasiveness and that conversation that they have You'll have seen sort of across the last sort of 12 to 18 months, them changes in when you make a payment online, how we sort of, you know, ask for extra information potentially to make sure it is genuine. And then also things like confirmation of payee, where you, if you're making a payment to someone, making sure you're making it to the right place. And I think that's really important to make sure that we can protect consumers against it. So I think, you know, the banking industry does put a lot of money Um, and funds into making sure that we improve our technologies as well. Well, let's get into some of the specifics here then. Faye, can we talk about some examples here? And can you kind of outline some of those strangest scams that we have seen this year? I'm sure there's countless examples. I know you've been collating some that have kind of most caught your eye over the last 12 months. So do you mind taking us through some of them? I think the only place we really can start, I know it's it's something that has already come up in this episode, which is which is energy scams. You know, we we all know rising prices, people are increasingly worried. So therefore, kind of no surprise is it that this has been especially prevalent in 2022. 
Absolutely. Um, and I think it's worth saying that um, some of the energy scams we've seen have been very plausible. So, for example, we've seen um, emails that have um, emulated uh, grants and schemes that are available from the government um, and use um, Ofgem's logo, for example, and, and kind of misdirect people to fake websites where they're supposed to enter bank details to receive energy rebates. So a lot of people have been caught out by those. On the other end of the spectrum, um, perhaps one of the more bizarre ones we've seen uh, is an array of kind of alleged energy saving devices for sale. Um, and the way these work is that they plug into a socket in your house or in some cases um, into um, the diagnostics port in your car. And they claim to make the car or the home um, more energy efficient and save you money. And, and they're often advertised with really outlandish claims. So, for example, we've seen claims that they'll cut 90% off your energy bill or, or, you know, like almost kind of conspiracy theory-esque claims that like big oil or the energy industry doesn't want you to know about the product. Here at which we actually bought and tested some of the home devices. Um, and not only did they not do what they claim, they don't save you money, they don't cut your energy bill or usage. Um, but in some cases, they actually pose a risk of fire or electric shock. So they're actually extremely dangerous. Away from kind of the the stranger side of this and, and just onto the, the prevalence of, of energy scams. I mean, it's safe to say, isn't it, given that I know we've had kind of the energy rebates, we've had the, the price cap freeze, all things like like that where people are entitled to to money this is a, another area, isn't it, where kind of scammers can exploit it. Steph mentioned we saw it in, in the pandemic often, didn't we? But this is kind of another area where they're, they're really at work and, and doing some of their, their, their worst. Whenever it's the case that there's, there's a government intervention in our lives, there's a flurry of communication about something, um, such as these energy rebates, that is something that fraudsters will leap on as an opportunity to pose as government bodies or um, you know, official bodies such as Ofgem jump in with a fake, a convincing fake email or, or phone call, um, claiming that your your rebate is available for you, and all they need to do is take your bank details, um, and, and that can be incredibly convincing, especially if you're a customer that pays on receipt of your bills. The uh, energy company wouldn't necessarily have your bank details in that case and and fraudsters can really use things like that to convince people that they actually just need to hand over their their bank details and they'll just be in receipt of some cash it can be really really tempting for people especially if they've heard something on the news and what they're hearing from the scammer seems to chime really well with it um, and we've seen unfortunately multiple cases of that I've just helped a gentleman who um received a, an email back in January claiming to be from energy supplier E.ON, uh, offering him, I think, around about an £80 rebate. Um, he clicked on that, entered his details. And then actually the pain came weeks down the line when his bank started to be, his bank account started to be used um, fraudulently. And he started to be um, in receipt of phone calls from people claiming to be from his bank's fraud department. And, and he lost thousands of pounds. So it was a multi-layered scam, all kind of emanating just from this, this single, reasonably convincing email claiming to offer him a bit of money back on his energy bill. I mean, if we can sidestep here from, as you mentioned there, Faye, these, these scams that often target the, the most vulnerable, 
Something else we've seen, of course, a huge rise in, I know, over the last few years, is, is romance scams and romance fraud. This is a, an interesting one because this is actually a an example of that type of scam that we've seen play out on social media. I definitely have, have, have seen this. It kind of caught my attention. It's a bit of a bit of a, a weird kind of insight into how these scams work because basically a woman called Becky and her, in inverted commas, lover, an oil rig worker called Zeltinis. Well, Becky's kind of illustrated the scam and posted screenshots and put what's going on on social media here. I mean, Faye, I've done a very bad job of explaining it, but do you mind doing a better job for me? So I think many of us will be familiar with the concept of scam baiting, which is where we, we spot a scam straight away, but we kind of string the scammer along, let them think we're interested just to see how things play out. But over on Twitter, there's, a, there's as you say, a lady called Becky Holmes, who's really, I would say, turned this into a fine art, um, stringing multiple romance scammers along, sometimes over the course of weeks or months, and, and posting the conversations online. And, and what's really great about, about what she's done is that she's drawn out some of the, the key red flags that we tell people to, to look out for in terms of romance scams. So the demand for money is obviously the major one, but the, the, there's also the initial kind of love bombing phase that we see from romance scammers where the victim is showered with compliments. Um, and then when um, money isn't forthcoming, that, that love gets withdrawn. Um, so we see that very clearly in in some of the examples that Becky's posted online. And what we also see um, is the reluctance of the fraudster to ever meet up in real life. Um, and um, that is something that Becky has really um, kind of playfully drawn out by kind of duping the fraudster in some cases into thinking that she was on her way to see him. We kind of duped photos of her like, on boats and on seaplanes and things like that, which really caused him to panic. And and I think another thing that's really interesting about this case is that by by claiming to be an oil worker, Zeltonist or the scammer behind Zeltonist is is kind of creating a backstory which um, is is designed to explain why he cannot come and visit his victim. I.e., it's difficult for me. There's a number of these exchanges on Becky's Twitter profile, and I just think they make for really interesting reading into into the tactics behind these kinds of scams. Yeah, I really would kind of urge anyone listening to this to to kind of seek this out and go and find it on social media if if you are on there, because it is humorous the way in which Becky does this. But as you said, Faye, it's really important in terms of illustrating some of the, the red flags that we should all be looking for. Steph, have you come across this story? I have had a look at it, and it, and it, as you say, it's it's kind of brilliant to see a scammer being outed in this way, um, because it is quite humorous, and and we've seen over the last couple of years different, you know, Netflix programs and things that come up, which are probably more interesting than the usual sort of advice guidelines, especially from a banker perspective, we can give, and I think, um, it really draws attention and brings it to life to how these conversations can happen. Um, and it's you'll notice, as you say, in the, that conversation that she's having in that particular um, chat around how she said, yeah, yeah, I'll come, I'll come. Um, but it is really easy to see the other side of that, of how how believable it is when some people are talking um, to these fraudsters around. It feels realistic. The backstory does back up why you can do it. Um, and we touched upon it earlier in terms of technology. You know, this is where... You know, that is an extreme that Becky went to to sort of out 
that particular fraudster. But the simpler, the simpler things in terms of when you're having them conversations to think about is, is an oil rigger book. Why couldn't he go on a video chat or voice notes? You know, some of the stuff that in this sort of society we would use to be able to validate who you're speaking to and how. It's a great visualisation. It's safe for people to go and see and have a bit of an insight to, to what we see, unfortunately, too often um, cases within the fraud industry. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is something we've we've seen ourselves here at Witch. I mean, it goes without saying that that romance fraud is, of course, a, a huge issue. Ninety two million pounds lost to these types of scams just last year alone, according to Action Fraud. So last year on the podcast, we actually heard from David. Now, David isn't his real name. And he told us his story of losing thousands to a fraudster posing as a potential love interest. I went on a dating site called Older Dating Online. Um, somebody came on and said they were interested in talking, but they didn't like to use that platform. So they um, gave me an email address and we started communicating on there. It was nice to chat. She sounded really nice. After a short time, say a month or two, she decided that it would be lovely to come over to the UK to say hello and explore the UK and, and stay with me. A couple of days after that, um, she suggested that to help fund the trip, uh, she would like some money from me. I succumbed to to send her that money, and. That was the start of the process. And then having received a phone call from some Russian authorities, which probably weren't Russian authorities at all, saying, have you given this money? Um, putting confidence in me that everything was going according to plan. She then asked for some more money, which I gave again. And... That was for sufficient funds being in her account in order for her to be able to travel in the first place. So again, some nice mails followed. And uh, a third mail came eventually and said her father had caught COVID, so she couldn't come at this time. Could I send some more money? And at this stage, I got very suspicious indeed. Uh, I didn't reply to that third request at all. And I contacted my bank. My bank made inquiries. And because the funds had been withdrawn already, there was absolutely nothing they could do because it was in a foreign country. I think if it was in the UK, it might have been a different story. So action fraud couldn't do anything for the same reasons. That was basically it. My funds had been paid. The funds had been collected by a very lucky recipient, and I was out of pocket by some margin. Steph, can we talk about the emotional toll that these scams can take on the victims? I, I know in a previous role you were kind of the one on the front line taking calls from people who had, in some cases, lost thousands of pounds to fraudsters. Absolutely. And these are some of the most heartbreaking cases that we refund um, when they come in in TSB. And unfortunately, you see them each week. Um, and the ones that probably don't get any easier to see. 
Um, the data shows on average the time spent in that relationship with the scammer, say between sort of the first and last payment, is about 62 days. Um, but we know that conversations and normally start before that first payment. Um, and the longest case we're seeing is almost three years long in terms of conversations that's been had. Um, and I think we think about it in the monetary element, you know, that you know, about how much it how much people lose to the scams. But there's that other sort of personable element um, that that person's had someone, a part of their life for a varying amount of time who they've trusted and spoke to probably every day. And I think that's the reason these cases don't get easier to see um, because it's not just a loss of money. It's, it is a loss of that sort of trust that they've had in that person. I should say that, that later on we will of course, give out some details if if you or, or someone you know you think could have fallen victim of a scam or if you've seen a scam out there that you'd like to report, we will give details of what you should do next later on in this episode just before we wrap up today. So if we move on, can we talk about another one of the scams that, that came up earlier on? And it's actually a scam that I've had my own experience of, which is the, the high mum and dad scam, as it's been termed. Yes, um, this um for me really is the scam of the year in the sense that it was incredibly prevalent this year and really convincing the genius of it is actually its simplicity because many people uh, perhaps most most people might have um teenage or grown up children living away from home um and so if you receive a message from an unknown number that just says hi mum or hi dad and and the message goes on to claim that the the um the sender's phone has been smashed or lost um you might think not very much of it and um, it's quite a plausible story you might even just save the new number into your phone under the name of your of your child and so then when when that uh child messages again um to see if they could borrow some money um perhaps sort of linking it into the initial story and saying they can't access their bank account because they've smashed their phone that doesn't seem so odd either um, and it's also the case that we're living in a cost of living crisis so requests for help to pay a bill or something would not be that unusual in many cases um, and that's why it's so important to just do a couple of key checks if you're not really sure whether you're speaking to your child or whether they've actually changed their number or not it's so simple to do what you can do is just ask the sender their name and if they can't tell you, you know, your child knows their name, if they can't tell you that, then um, then it's game over. The other thing you can do is try the, the, the alleged old number and see if your child answers it. And you can also agree as a family, a kind of family password for these occasions that obviously a scammer would never know. We've seen friends and family fraud rise by about 58%. Um, and it's one that's interesting that has evolved um, over the year. Um, as I say, we're talking about now, particularly driven by sort of help for paying bills as we've moved into the cost of living crisis, particularly um, I see myself in sort of September, we've seen more sort of impersonations of people going to university, like Finn mentions there with sort of um, young children, potentially children starting university. Obviously, if they asked for money, the first thing you would do would say yes to try and help them out as this sort of potentially first time away from home and things like that. So it's the premise of the fact that they are reaching out and impersonating to be someone has stayed the same, but the type and things that they're asking has evolved as the years went on um, into the sort of next big thing. Um, and we have seen that the average loss for this is about one and a half thousand pounds. So it's a substantial amount of money that kind of is underpinned by the, the sort of warm hearted nature that people do want to help 
um, friends and family when they do need it, especially at this time of need. I think Beatrice has found some advice there, and I think that's really important around, you know, checking who you are speaking to and the number that you've rang from. We do see quite often they'll say, I've lost my phone, I'm using a friend's phone, something like that to try and mask the reason that they're not using their typical number. Um, and just be as you say, really cautious. And if any reason that that might be, oh, I can't, I have actually lost it, ask them for a video call or something that would just confirm who you're speaking to. Because I suppose there's two elements. They're one, ringing off a different number or texting, more than likely. And then secondly, um, they'll be asking you to send details and um, money to an account that you're also unfamiliar with. So both of them things, if you do see them, should flag um, in terms of warning signs if this does come up. Um, we did also see you know, a case with a 71-year-old customer who did lose lost about 1,700 to a fraudster. In this same situation, it was an urgent and motive request from his daughter saying that they needed help with bills. Um, and it's really unfortunate in them circumstances. So you can see how that's happened. And thankfully, that customer got his money back. But you do have to be really careful um, as you're using these sort of platforms uh, from messages from friends and family. As ever, playing on emotions and, and playing on trust. Those are the, the things that really are kind of coming through with all of these scams. Fair, at the time that we're talking, of course, we're, we're just a few weeks away from Christmas, which may be panicking some people listening to this, especially if you're like me and you haven't started your shopping. If you are shopping online, can we have a quick word here for delivery scams? Because obviously that's something that must come up time and time again, especially at this time of year. I'd say this kind of fall into a similar category to the high mum scams and that they're, they're, they're so simple um, but so convincing and many people do fall for them. Um, so the way this works is that you receive a message that claims to be from the Royal Mail or Every or another popular uh, postal or courier service and it will say that you've got a parcel and you need to pay a small fee to get it delivered. Perhaps the delivery's been missed or something. Um, and... Um, all it takes is for you to actually be expecting a parcel, which many of us are at this time of year, um, and for the, the message just to land at a bit of a busy moment. Um, you click on the link, um, you enter your card details, um, and then a fraudster's got them. And the pain from doing that, again, um, similar to some of the other scams I've mentioned today, it doesn't always come straight away. You may not always realise straight away that you've been scammed. The, the consequences can be so far reaching. It's not just a case of money being debited off your card. It can just lead to far more um, sophisticated and wide reaching scams further down the line. And that's why it's so, so important not to respond to these text messages. So on today's episode, of course, we've gone through some of the most prevalent scams that we've seen over the course of the last year. Some of the more bizarre, but some just downright kind of horrible in terms of the way that they've been been targeting victims. Steph, before we go, can we talk about any other scams that we're seeing right now that, that people should potentially be aware of? Any scams that are kind of coming across your desk at GSB at the moment? It is this time of year for increased shopping, as, as mentioned. So I always can't express enough to, to shop safely online. Um, we know and have mentioned about social media sites and using that for shopping. We're seeing a lot um, of different scams coming through that nature and um, it, it is the time of year that everyone wants a bargain and more so um, than ever and um, probably this year but it's just making sure that people are checking the websites they're going on reading any reviews for websites and things to make sure when they are shopping 
and they're doing it in the right places with correct merchants. So very often we'll see people um, have clicked on an ad because they're seeing a really good discount. Um, and unfortunately, if it's like if it looks too good to be true, it, it probably is, and they've never received goods. And unfortunately, large amounts of money have left their account by the time they're aware of it. Another scam just to mention, because of where we are, we are in quite an uncertain economic time. Um, and we do see a lot of impersonation scams around a safe account. Um, you know, something happening with your bank and we need to keep the money safe. Um, someone impersonating the bank saying, you know, there's been fraud in your account. Can you move it to an account to make sure it's kept safe? And as you can imagine, every pound counts and people want to make sure their money is safe. Um, but often that is a fraud, so really just luring you to move your money into an account of theirs, um, away from where it is. So if you do get any calls like that, um, please do just refer back to the safe number you have on the back of your card. Um, the number you're familiar with speaking to your bank, because um, it's just really important not to give out them details. But there are definitely two areas, I would say, which are, we're seeing increase as we move into sort of the Christmas period. We did research not so long ago in TSB and it showed that 58% of households would struggle to afford food with a fraud loss of about £500 or below. I mean, it's, it's more important than ever to safeguard against fraud um, and warn your friends and family to make sure everyone's aware of it to prevent that prevent that loss. I know obviously we have the fraud refund guarantee in TSB, so we're slightly different, but we know how crucial that guarantee is to getting people's money back in this current climate. So anything we can do to advise people to not fall victim of them scams is, is even more important than ever. Absolutely, 100%. So to finish then, both of you, and this is super important, especially after what you've just said there, Steph, can we have your best advice on what people should do, either A, to spot a scam before it happens, and, and B, if you think they've fallen victim? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, so in terms of uh, spotting a scam, number one piece of advice I always tell people is to take five. So, okay, take five minutes. That means if you receive any request for your personal information um, or um, banking information, even if it seems plausible, even if you're kind of expecting something like it, don't respond straight away. Forces rely on panic, um, rely on kind of circumventing your um, rational thinking um, with with emotions like panic so always always take five minutes have a think and then if you're not sure check absolutely right take the time and explore your you know have a think about does this feel right does it not give yourself that headspace use the technology you have as well you know a lot of these things we're talking about you know can you um do a search in a search engine to find out if the story feels legitimate about an oil rig, wherever that might be, or on the other scale of it, research a website. Is it genuine um, from that perspective? The other bit I'd add probably is just to talk as well. Um, it's quite easy in these situations that after the event, you speak to friends and family and, and then they probably give the thoughts and advice. Um, but do it while you're thinking about it in that time you've given yourself. Talk to people then because um, it's really helpful for other people who might have different experiences, might have listened to different things like this to help give an opinion and perspective in that moment. Um, but yeah, be really cautious with the things you're doing whenever you're giving out account details is the main important bit. If you're about to give someone details of your account or any information about you, just think twice before you do it. 
All really, really important advice. And I should, of course, mention our free Scam Alerts newsletter here at Witch. So this is a free newsletter that is sent to your inbox. It rounds up all the very latest scams doing the rounds. If you want to sign up, then just go to witch.co.uk forward slash scam alerts. That's witch.co.uk forward slash scam alerts. And if you would like to report what you believe is a scam, then you can do that to Action Fraud. So you can go online, actionfraud.police.uk, or you can call them on 0300 123 2040. That's 0300 123 2040. Thank you so much to Faye and Steph for coming on the show today. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, then please do hit subscribe to make sure we catch us again next week. For more money news and advice, you can find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. We've also got our free money newsletter as well. That's delivered to your inbox every Monday. And to sign up, you can visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was presented, recorded, produced and edited by me, Rob Lilly, with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins.